Hello, friends. This is Derek Kistner, founder and executive director of the Greater Peoria House of Prayer. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you're hearing from me, my wife Mandy, or a trusted leader, it's my hope that it would serve you well in your walk with Jesus. Maybe you're listening at home here in central Illinois, maybe in your vehicle, or even somewhere on the other side of the world. However you're tuning in or wherever you are, it's my prayer that what you hear helps you to love God, His Word, His Spirit, His Church, and the people you interact with each and every day. Thanks again for listening, and may the grace of God fill your heart as you listen to the following message. Lord, we just so thank you for uh, those gathered here and those connected through social media, and we're so thankful for the time of worship. And Lord, we just want to continue in that same spirit of worship to hear your word tonight, Lord. And so I ask that you would take these words and make them spirit and life. Lord, let them inflame our hearts to love truth, to love Christ, to love what you love. And in particular tonight, help us to love the children that you love. And uh, turn our hearts, Lord. Turn our hearts to love our children like you do. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, again, the, the title is Malachi's Prophecy, Turning Our Hearts to Our Children. And I'm going to touch on Malachi's Prophecy here in a moment. But as, we, uh, as we've been preparing for kids' camp and as we've been, uh, you know, I've been thinking about it, a quote stuck out to me recently, and maybe you've heard this quote. Uh, anybody uh, know of Frederick Douglass? That name familiar? Okay. Uh, Frederick Douglass um, is the famous abolitionist. He was a writer and speaker and social reformer. Um, and former slave who became outspoken against slavery in his generation and is one of the premier figures uh, as far as uh, abolition. And he said just such an amazing uh, quote. In fact, it was in relation to slavery, but I feel like it has a principle that applies in so much of society and life. He said this. He said, it is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. It is easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And that really is, I think, a gospel phrase. I think that's like a heart of God that came out of uh, Brother Douglas. And, and it's kind of the reason we focus on children. You know, every once in a while people say, oh, it's so neat that you do the kids thing. You know, kind of like, you know, your little nod to the kids, you know, to get back to the main thing. And, and I always, sometimes, not always, I'll just say, eh, I'm not doing this to be like cute. I'm doing this because it's prophetic and it's what God requires of leadership. We can't, uh, you know, neglect children and then, you know, wonder why there are certain ways they are when they're teens or young adults if we don't start on day one investing and valuing and discipling then we shouldn't say, well, I wonder why they're doing that as teens and that as young adults. And, you know, geez, I can't believe their, their life went off the rails. No, we start pouring into them. We start valuing them. We, we start loving them early. We don't, you know, we don't just kind of let 
let it let be what be. And some people, I would say more than some in the church, have this kind of perspective that the main category is young adult and up. And if we have time, we get to the kids and the teens. And I really think the Lord is challenging that mindset. And he's saying, no, no, don't wait 20 years. Start right now when they're five, six, seven, even one, two, three, four. But start investing in your home. Start investing in kids' ministry. Start putting a foundation in them right when they're, you know, just starting to talk and walk and, you know, grow up. We have our little Ezekiel, who's one year old, and of course he grows up in a house of prayer family, and so he, you know, certain things are kind of normal to him, but he does these little prayers, and we'll say, Zeke, can you pray? And he puts his hands together and bows his head, he puts his little bowl of cereal down, hands together, and says, pray, Mama, Dada, and then he just starts clapping. And it moves our heart, like we all get so happy when he, so he, he prays for everybody in the family, but it's the same prayer every time. It's pray mom and dad. You know, sometimes he'll just pray, pray mom or pray dad, but he's getting it and he's, he's one. And I tell you, if we can put it in them when they're one, two, three, four, and then he get a little more when they're five, six, seven, then when they're teenagers, they're like Daniel's with his friends. And it doesn't matter if they're taken out of their country into a Babylon they're solid. And so we start early, and so we can't have this mindset in the church or in society or in our home where it's like, well, let's wait till they're 18. Or let's wait, you know, they got the driver's license, then we'll start. Or they're out of the house, we'll start getting serious about their character. No, we, we, we have to turn our hearts day one. And that really is the, the fundamental heart of the message tonight is turning our hearts to our kids, to kids in general, viewing them as important human beings. I was catching up with Michelle earlier, and I've, t- I've taken interest in the subject of children, and this is something I would, I would recommend to everybody, you know, uh, just kind of research childhood in general. In fact, a book I like uh, that I mention every year when I give this talk uh, it's by a man named Neil Postman, who is just one of the neatest authors. He wrote uh, Amusing Ourselves to Death, which is an incredible book. You've got to read that. Um, but he wrote a book called The Disappearance of Childhood. And it's, it's um, academic, but it's really worth kind of going through the academic parts of it. But it's so good. And he gets into some, you know, interesting history about you know, we didn't always view children favorably throughout history. For most of history, kids were just kind of this thing that sat around the dirt hut until they could work. I mean, this is for literally like 1,500 years in, you know, from B.C., or, you know, A.R., 0 A.D. to 2000. Much of the Dark Ages, the Middle Ages, children were just kind of this thing that if they survived, good, they can help. And and the Lord, I truly believe, in the last number, you know, couple centuries, He's turning this to where the whole world sees a value on kids. And and I don't want to get into you know too off the message, but. I really see it. I mean, if you just study history and you just kind of see, okay, we're like our nation. We we do, you know, we celebrate kids. We we uh, you know we have birthdays and things like that, which hasn't always been a thing. And 
And so it's, it seems like, you know, it's shifting. And it's only going to get more and more like that. Okay, so that was kind of my intro. Let me get to a few scriptures, okay? So we're going to do three things tonight. Three things after that intro. So I was a little bit lengthy there. A few scriptures, a few stories, and a few practical takeaways on how we turn our hearts to our children, okay? Or to children in general. Um, let me just go real quick through a few scriptures. You all know them, but let's hear them again. Uh, real quick, Mark ten thirteen to 16. Jesus, this is just a paraphrase, Jesus brings little children that he could lay hands on them and pray for them. What do the disciples do? The disciples try to rebuke the parents for bringing the kids to Jesus. So there's this kerfluffle. And in that moment, Jesus goes, guys, guys, no, 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 you think that they're a distraction. I don't. I don't think they're a distraction. Bring them here. Let them pull on my beard and, you know, crack jokes and let me pray for them. It's messy, but that's what the kingdom's like. And so they got schooled. They didn't know it. They, they got schooled. And so Mark 10, 13 to 16, you know, not only does he take them to school, he says, disciples, not only do I like kids, but you need to be like them. They're, they're not in your life only for you to teach, but they're to teach you. You'll learn things about me and my ways and my kingdom if you pay attention to kids. Children are loved by Jesus. It literally says he took them up in his arms and he laid hands on them and he blessed them. And again, there's a mindset that children are a distraction. Let's put them in a side room and keep them quiet so we can do our thing. Jesus is like, no, get them in the middle. Let me get my arms around them. Let them come to me. And I don't, you know, want to be unnecessarily critical of every single thing out there, but we really need to have our kids with us in a lot of what we do. If we put them in side rooms our whole life, they're not going to get what we're getting. And so we need to be, we need to do this together in the home, in the church, in the prayer room, everywhere we go, we need to do this together. Okay, I think it's an unfortunate modern Christian development that we have structures where the parents are here and the kids are here. I get it. We need time to you know, decompress and you know, send them on their kid thing every once in a while. But, but mostly, you know, worship is a family thing. And so I've actually, over the years, you know, I've insisted we have kids in this room. I just, if parents want them here, they're here. And if there's messes and they tackle my camera, which has happened, it's, you know, just, it's just what we're going to have to deal with. And I've had people leave because of that position. I've had people correct me because of that position. And I just tell them, I go, I'm going with the Bible. I'm going with Jesus. He says, let them come. And it's messy. And that's what we're going to do. If you don't like that, like, then you're not with Jesus. You do, you do your thing. You do you. But in God's house, the children are welcome. And, and I insist on that, and I'm not moving. And, you know, it's like the... Anyway, I'm getting a little feisty there. <laughs> but uh, it's just how it is. We can't, we can't disagree with Jesus and then get the blessing of God. Anyway, let's move on to the next verse. So Matthew 18, 1 through 11, it's another verse reiterating the same thing. Jesus calls a little child into the midst and he says, I say to you assuredly, unless you become like these guys, you won't enter the kingdom. What are you talking about, Jesus? If you receive this little child, you receive me. Isn't that interesting? What a statement. If we receive a whole bunch of children, the Lord comes with. That's why I do kids stuff. 
I have seen the Lord move in so many crazy ways just because we, we have kids things. Just because we have kids in our prayer room. You put the kids outside and don't value them, you see a little bit less of Jesus. I want to see Jesus. Whoever receives one little child like this in my name receives me. There's something about receiving kids into our life, into our ministry, into our, our you know, whatever, we get more Jesus. We keep them out, we get less Jesus. You know, there's so many people, I want Jesus, I want revival. Do kids. Have them in your prayer meeting. Well, it's distracting and they just slobber. And Do you want Jesus or not? Because his way is different than our way. It really is. He wants them there, coloring on the chair, sneezing everywhere, getting people sick, and all the things that come with kids. He wants that, really. It's good for us. It's good for the kingdom. It's good for those kids. In Psalm 127, 3-5, listen to this. The psalmist says, children are from the Lord. Now, some days they feel like they're from the enemy, but let, you know we have those days. But really, it says, they're from the Lord. In fact, it says, they're a reward. A reward. If you've got kids, it's because heaven rewarded you. Isn't that cool? Ah, I mean, that's just... that's. I have kids. That means God rewarded me. Like, what? That's so cool. They're like arrows in your quiver. <laughs> whatever. whatever. The, I don't fully understand the quiver. It's a little different right now. It's like a bunch of bullets in your gun holster. You know, that's the modern translation. But man, they're a blessing. They are from the Lord. They're a reward. They're like arrows. Solomon says this in the Proverbs. If you train a child in the way he should go... He won't depart from it. I love that. Solomon, train them. Disciple them. Invest in them. Pour into them when they're a child. And guess what? You're not going to wonder what happened to them because they're just going to stay that course. Now, I mean, things happen. They go through their seasons, ups and downs. But you invest in the kids. There's a really good chance they just keep going for the Lord long term. Nobody does it perfect. There is nobody on earth who's like nailing it perfect, 100% kids ministry. We all fumble and bumble, but we just, we do it and it works. I actually had someone say to me one time, uh, they took exception to our emphasis on investing in young people, kids, teens, uh, young adults. And and I said, okay, I didn't have this exact conversation, but I just tried to stay humble. But I'm thinking in my head, when when do you start then? Like when they're 80, 90, on their deathbed, you disciple them? Like, when do you start if we don't start on day one? Like, what? And so I've had the craziest conversations. People really do think like this. Like, you know, we need to give them their you know, teens and 20s to figure things out. And then when they're 30, then we'll just get them in the... No, that's not how it works. The Bible says train them when they're a child. Invite them in when they're a kid to encounter Jesus and they get it when they're a kid. They get it when they're a teen. They get it when they're a young adult. And they keep doing it. And, and whatever they're called to, whether it's full-time ministry or some trade or wherever in the world they go, they've got that heart for Jesus in their calling. Okay, so we don't force kids to do what we do. We, we lead them. We guide them. We train them. And they follow Jesus. And Jesus leads them wherever they're supposed to go. Now, this is what Malachi said. This is the title of the message. Malachi prophesied this. This is literally 
the last prophecy in the Old Testament. It's the last phrase before you turn your page and you go to the New Testament, which that's a 400-year page turn. <laughs> and so there, there's, there's Malachi prophesized, and there's the biblical silence until John the Baptist shows up. That's a 400-some-year intertestamental period. But Malachi says this. Under the inspiration of the Spirit, obviously. He says, Behold, I'm going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I'm going to send Elijah, God says, before Jesus comes back. Okay, this is the, you know, there was a a partial fulfillment when Jesus came the first time. But there's going to be a complete fulfillment when Jesus comes the second time when he comes again. I'm going to send Elijah and what's Elijah going to do? I mean, I've preached this a hundred times, maybe not a hundred, but a few times, I feel like. And I'm just thinking, okay, if Elijah's coming before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, what is going to happen? I mean, so many people are going to get raised from the dead. There's going to be fire shooting everywhere and lightning coming out of churches. Like, what's, it, what's he about to say here? And he says, Elijah's going to come, and he's going to turn the hearts of fathers to their children. Uh, or is it, doesn't it say something about lightning and fire and resurrection? And I think those things are going to happen, but I think it's interesting that what Elijah's going to do is turn our hearts to kids. Like, what an interesting prophecy. The spirit of Elijah that was on John the Baptist and the spirit of Elijah that will be on a generation on the church prior to the Lord's return, that prophetic anointing that everybody's talking about a prophetic anointing and revival right now, what's it going to really look like? It's going to look like dads who love their kids. It's going to look like moms who love their kids. And it's going to look like kids who love their moms and dads. It's going to look like spiritual dads and spiritual moms who love their spiritual kids. And that's going to be like this cycle that happens. There's going to be this father heart, mother heart. I think there are many applications to this verse, but I think we get a little too carried away when we just kind of go, oh, Spirit of Elijah, it's going to be amazing, and probably we're going to get taken up to heaven and appear, you know, like the thing that happened and then, you know, when Jesus was with his disciples and Elijah, and we go to all these crazy applications, but what's it actually say? Here's what I believe. Okay, I believe that whatever we think about John the Baptist, because Jesus said, that is the Elijah who was to come. Jesus said John the Baptist was operating in the spirit of Elijah. I'm guessing, doesn't say this in Scripture explicitly, but I'm guessing most of what John the Baptist did was meet with parents and help them love their kids. Real practical stuff. Now, we got a few of his sermons when he's talking to people, but that was like seven minutes of his life. Probably what he did for 30 years is help parents and kids love each other, like we all do in ministry. We help families work. How, how do I, I love Jesus, but how do I do it with like all these kids and bills? And that's what he did. He, he was in the weeds with people. He was helping them go, look, that whole thing about the, the, every commandment in the Old Testament is so you can like love your family. That's what it broke down to. So important to get this. Children need fathers. Children need mothers. Children need this. And why is that? Why would God say, I'm going to send Elijah, and Elijah's going to turn the hearts of fathers to children and children of fathers? Why? 
Because we become an analogy so that they can have a grid, a framework in their mind. Oh, if my daddy loves me and my mommy loves me and God's better than them, he must be amazing. Do you see how that analogy works so so practically? And so what would the enemy do if that's God's prophetic mandate on the earth and on the church, what would the enemy do? He'd try to divide households. He'd try to end marriages, divide households. He'd try to get fatherlessness to skyrocket. He'd try to just completely destroy the family unit, which is obviously playing out in our culture and around the world. You see this... You know, so we think, well, there's so many problems in society, and if we only fix this and fix it. You know what we actually need is we need dad in the house and mom in the house. We need families that love each other. That's prophetic, honestly. Like, I love, you know, all the prophetic stuff we talk about, but if we're talking about real Bible, Jesus, Holy Spirit, prophetic, it's dad and mom. Loving their kids, kids loving their dad and mom. It's never going to be perfect, okay? I don't want to set some, like, expectation that, like, if you don't do it perfect, you're... No, it's messy. We know this, you know. (laughs) If you got more than a few kids, I mean, you got any, you got one kid, it's hard. You get married, and you're like, whoa, I get married to someone that's sinful, and I'm sinful. Whoa, and then you throw kids in there. Whoa, (laughs) woohoo. This is, you know, you, you, you get it. Okay, so it's, there, it doesn't feel prophetic, but it's prophetic. You're creating this blueprint in their mind, this framework. And so at some point, the kids start thinking, man, my dad loves me. He loves spending time with me. Oh, I bet God's like that, like, but better. Oh, my goodness, like, I want that. And so we have to, we have to realize that that's like the prophetic gold standard. Let me give a few stories here just to illustrate, because that was, I wanted to share a few scriptures to help us see how God values children, what's in the Bible. But let's just, a few stories I've just picked at random, just that have touched me over the years. Um, I had written here at one of our kids' camps, this is in 2017. I document this stuff because I forget so easily. In 2017, a little kid in the kids' camp got hurt. His knee is just busted up. He's like, I can't, can't walk. I, you know, he's crying. And I'm like, oh, no, we're going to have a lawsuit. You know, I'm thinking all these things that you think. And, and I'm like, well, let's just pray for you, you know, because I'm just hoping he gets better. The kid literally gets instantly healed. And so healed, he was like, how did that happen? What? Oh, my gosh. Like, what What did you do? And he's just flipping out. And I'm like, bro, I have no idea. I just think Jesus just touched you right now. I mean, he went from truly in pain, knee not working, to instantly healed. And, and the guy, I mean, not the guy, the kid couldn't believe it. He just went ballistic. And so I went ballistic. And I'm like, we just saw a healing. Oh, my goodness. See, if you let the kids in, Jesus comes in. Keep the kids out, you don't see healing. See, this is why we don't see this stuff, gang. And we, we bring them in and we let them put snot all over the chair and they knock the crayons over and all that. But we get to see miracles. And we get to see them discipled and we get to see, man, I remember, you know, because they're a missionary when they're 30, but we're pouring into them when they're four, five, six. We, we got stories on them. Man, I remember that you know, missionary, yeah, they're doing miracles, but man, in four, five, and six, I loved spending time with them when they were little. You know, we had started then. And so... That's cool. That happened. 
My son Noah, when he was little, this this story means so much to me. He came to me one night and he's like, Dad, uh, you know, he had just finished a Lego set. I got him. Dad, I finished that Lego set. Can you get me another one? I had to have this talk with him. Before I tell you the talk, I'm going to get a little swig here. This is when he's like five or six. Excuse me. Like, Noah, here's the thing, bud. Legos are like 100 bucks. They're not cheap. You know, good set. They're, they're expensive. And I'm trying to, you know, his little five, six-year-old mind, I'm trying to get him to, I can't buy you a Lego set every day. But you, your heavenly father is rich. You just talk to him. Maybe he'll give you Lego sets. So I can give you like one on your birthday, but when you finish it an hour later, like I can't just keep buying them. And he was like, you know, trying to comprehend that. And so he just literally said, okay. And he just prayed that night. Lord, I want a, you know, fire truck, blah, 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 Lego set. And he just started praying. He prayed every night. And like two weeks later, I kid you not, I go to, I'm going to work in the morning. It's like 6.37 in the morning. There's a giant Lego set leaning against our garage. This some huge red, the exact thing, but I was actually like bigger. The thing he prayed for just randomly shows up at our house. I to this day don't know how it got there. And, uh, you know, so I, I said, Mandy, like, I know Noah's not awake yet, but that Lego set he's been praying for every night, it is leaning against our garage. I'm like, did she, do you know anything about this? No. That started a whole series of, I kid you not, 10 to 12 Lego sets start coming into our house. It, it happened for months. Lego sets just start showing up. And uh, I, I, it was one of the most crazy seasons where his prayers unlocked something in, in the heavens that released Lego sets. <laughs> and they just start, people start sending us Lego sets. People start buying Lego sets. Jesus loves Lego sets. But I got schooled more than Noah. I mean, I'm learning, like, how does he, what? He's like six, and he really believed that if he just prayed, the Lego said, and they start showing up. And the Lord was like, hey, Kissner, you, if you do what he did, he did, I'll answer you. I'm like, I'm, I'm the prayer guy, Lord. I'm the guy leading the house of prayer. And he says, well, look, you do what the kids do. What did Jesus say? Who is the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus calls the little child in the midst. If you become like a little child, if you don't become like a child, you want to enter the kingdom. If we approach God as a child, man, the kingdom just opens to us. The resource, the riches, the, the glory, the things that God has available that we know nothing about. If we enter like a child with faith and we just pray because our dad loves us, stuff unlocks. That's so cool. Um, I've been in many prayer meetings where my kids, Caleb, Noah, Joshua, they just had a sense on their heart. I think like the Lord saying X, Y, Z. And it just struck my heart like, oh my gosh, you guys are hearing from the Lord. I mean, imagine if we waited till they're 20 or 30. That I wouldn't have, I've got a hundred stories of things that have happened just with my own kids, let alone other kids. Anyway, I could tell more stories, but there's just so many times where it's like, I didn't know God was like that or would answer that, but and I didn't know if you could actually pray for Lego sets. Like, but apparently God answers if you do. And so like so much of my understanding has expanded because of how I've seen him treat my kids and other kids. He's so kind. Like, what other God is like that? There's a little kid has no idea what he's doing. He just believes God will send Lego sets, so they just start showing up. 
I tell you what, if you truly teach a kid that if they pray, God will answer, they will believe it and they'll see it. And then they'll outpray us. And then we're challenged. It literally is the story of my life. My kids have prayed in uh, Nintendo Switches, Lego sets, all kinds of electronics. I fully intended on not buying and never bought and never told anybody about, but they just prayed. And so God did it. It's just incredible. They are amazing. Now, real practical things here. I don't want to go too much longer. Okay, don't look at that. Okay, I just didn't look at the time. (laughs) What do we do? We got to just remember, okay, just look through the scriptures. You know, every once in a while, you know, just read the Bible verses on, on kids. And, you know, remember some of the stories. Uh, Michelle just shared a story with me where the kids prayed for, her kids prayed for her when she got injured, the popcorn story, and she's healed of this uh, serious burn on her hand. The kids just prayed, and what would have been like a third-degree burn was just a nothing. And we'll get to heaven and go, yeah, the kids prayed, so I sent the angel, and boom. And, and so, like, well, what if they didn't pray? <laughs> it wouldn't happen. I, you know, it's just... I'm just so grateful that kids just, you just tell them to pray and they do and then stuff happens. When we get older, what do we do? We complicate it. Well, I don't know if doctrinally, uh, kids just pray and believe and see it. And so I want to be doctrinally sound. I believe in that. We have to do that. We have to be theologically, you know, broad and we have to read and study and expand our knowledge and all of that. But if all of that takes away our childlike faith, it's not healthy. It's, it's Something's not right. I know a lot of people, they're heady. They know everything, but they don't experience anything. So they could give you the doctrine, but they've never once in their life really encountered God in a real way. The only way you get there into that place of the kingdom is, is as a child, low, humble, faith-filled, just wide-eyed, like, you're my dad, you'll do it. Like kids just literally throw open the fridge and just take whatever they want. Like, that's literally what my five-year-old girl does. It's like, it's 10.30 at night. I'm just going to have ice cream. Pulls that thing out. No! You know, she just, there's boldness there. They just believe everything, you know, is for them. And they're just, like, and you know, when kids are taught that about God, they just, they just, they just, they believe it. They go for it. A couple practical things here. As, as uh, literal fathers or mothers or spiritual fathers and mothers. I mean, whether you got kids at home like Kellenbergers and I or some of you, um, or you aspire to be like a spiritual mom or dad, either ones, you know, just open your calendar for, for your kids or for kids in general. And, you know, I'm just going to be honest. There's days where I'm like, kids are amazing. And then the next day, like, oh, they're bugging me. There's too many kids in my yard. I just mowed. It's so, ah. You know, so I have to, like, get right with the Lord many times. But just open the calendar, open space. You know, I go on your, you know, your daddy-daughter dates and your mother-son dates and do those things. And you can't do enough of them. Or, you know, just hang out with kids or come to kids camp or, you know, serve it. I tell you, one of the most practical ways to serve kids is just go to the, the kids' ministry at your church and just serve there. And just let them get snot all over you. It's really gross, but, they, I mean, you just grow. You just, you, it's amazing. 
I think half of my sicknesses in my life have been because of kids' ministry. <laughs> like, literally. And, but it's worth it. it. It truly is to have those connections. I mean, some of the most powerful times of ministry, it's just like a little kid like asking a question. Like, Mr. Kistner, what does the Bible say here? What does that mean? It's like, well, let's talk about that. You could be that to somebody. So just, you know, have that place, ten, you know, tender place in your heart where it's like, I'm willing to open some space in the calendar. I'm willing to serve there when, that, when that's needed or take a proactive approach to ministering. And we can't, you know, not everybody's called 100% full-time kids ministry like some of my friends I know, but we all have to have this tender place in our heart toward them. So open your calendar and open your heart. Open your heart, okay? Kids need to know that there are fathers and mothers who have real emotions, like, tell them stuff. Tell them what you're going through sometime. I mean, on an age-appropriate level and all that. But they need to see a father and a mother or a spiritual leader that's open and honest because that's what God's like. God's not closed off and distant and like, ah, oh, we got to figure this guy. God is, has emotion. He has thoughts. He has feelings. They're recorded in Scripture that He shares with us who He is. And so, you know, have, have that with kids as well. Don't, don't, you know, not let kids in at that level. You know what I mean. So open the calendar, open your heart. And th- this is something that is, is transformative. Let me just pause there. When you understand that God has emotions, thoughts, feelings toward you, and you begin to discover that, that unlocks something deep. He's not just God and in charge. He really likes Curtis Brown. He, he feels good things toward you. Or Peg, or Jen, or Andre, Isaac, Ash, Kellenbergers. He feels good, loving, he thinks good, loving thoughts. He, there is not just this stoic, I am in charge on my throne, and I am unemotional about it. No, there's this real passion and desire for all of the... The Bible says he so loves the world. He, he doesn't just create the world and redeem the world. He so loves the world and everybody in it individually. Not just love, but so love. So you are not just love. You are so loved, brothers and sisters, on a very personal and individual level. So, so sometimes us opening our emotions unlocks kids' ability to go, oh, maybe like the Lord thinks that. And I don't mean get, you know, like, messy, cranky all the time. I'm just saying, like, be honest with your victories and your struggles and just kind of age-appropriate. But, but kids need to know that there's a God in heaven who's thinking about them. And not just like, oh, little Billy, seven years old, you haven't memorized your Bible yet. I'm angry until you're 10, and then we'll talk again in three years. A lot of kids will develop thoughts like that unless we go, no, 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 Billy, little Billy, seven years old. God really likes you. And he's like, thinks baseball is cool. And, you know, you can follow Jesus on your baseball team. And so we have to help them understand that. It's part of the glory of being a father or mother or spiritual father and mothers helping, you know, open our heart and help them see God that way. So we open our calendar, we open our heart. And we make a choice. We make a choice. A lot of people come to me and they'll say things like, man, if I just had a better this or a, if I just had a better disciple leader, if I just got you know, a spiritual mentor or whatever, 
And you know what I found in 20 years of ministry? Is that if you and I decide to just be a father and mother to somebody, that void that we feel like we never got fills in. It really does. If we, instead of thinking, well, I just need apostle so-and-so and and prophet to pray for me and i got to go to the conference to get... You can chase that your whole life and feel like a void. But if you instead just start being the father people need and the mother people need, there's something deeper that happens than if you just chase what you need. If you just give it out, it's like God fills it in. And, and it's, we're never to a point where we don't need anybody. I don't want to give that impression. We need input, for sure. But I want to challenge all of us, if you just make the choice to pour into people, pour into kids, pour into your family, pour into the people at your church that are 20 years younger, if you just do that, then what you felt like you always needed, it just, something shifts. Like when I first started investing in people, I didn't feel like I could But my pastor at the time believed I could, and so I believed I could. And then I did, and then that's what I've just done ever since. I've just poured into people. I've invested. Whether they're older or younger or my age, I'm just going to invest. And if you you have something for me, pour into me too. But it's so much more fun to just choose, just to make a choice. I'm going to turn my heart to people. I'm going to turn my heart to kids. And if they want something, I'm going to give it to them. And I'm just going to live that way. And in doing that, I feel like I get everything I need. It's amazing. Like the Bible is the opposite of the way we think it should be. If we refresh others, we get refreshed. If we pour out like a fountain on others, God pours back into us. But if we sit there like on the sidelines waiting for this big like, you know, waterfall to come into our heart, it just never happens. We have to do it. And then it kind of, that's just how God made it. Amen? Amen. So we turn our hearts to people. We love. uh, We turn our hearts to children. We value them. We disciple them. We invest in them. And we just, we say, hey, let's, let's, uh, you know, in the way God has called you, we want to just help you. In in whatever, you know, if you want to grow up and be president, okay. If you want to grow up and be a a missionary, cool. But we're going to help you as much as we know how. I mean, next week we're going to have, I don't know how many kids, a whole mess of kids. It's going to be fun. And, you know, they're all just so energetic and bright-eyed, but some of them are going to get marked. I've seen this every year, every time we do this. There's going to be a couple moments where they do their little prayer time or they hear that story, and some of them are going to get deeply touched. And years and decades from now, they're going to be able to look back and say, it was that kids' camp, 2021, where I decided to follow Jesus. Or I got a prophetic word that, you know, has directed the course of my life. And so we just want to consistently be reminded. The kids need us. God is calling a whole generation of fathers and mothers to turn their hearts to them. In fact, what did Paul say? Paul drops a bomb in 1 Corinthians 4.15. What does Paul say? He says, essentially this. Paul says, 1 Corinthians 4.15 What do we need more than thousands of teachers? Is fathers. He said you have many, many instructors, but few fathers. I tell you what, uh, let me say this in a helpful way. There are thousands 
and thousands and thousands of voices out there on the internet, on YouTube, on Facebook. Thousands of them. You can just take your pick. There's going to have something. But there are so few people who actually show up and father people and literally walk through life with people. See, everybody wants to take the easy way. I'm just going to make a video and put it on Facebook. Well, that's, you can do that. But if you want to do the real stuff, get involved in like a kid's ministry or get involved at Sunday school and invest in young people. Invest in teens. Invest in young adults. Have prayer time with your family. Get, get, do that stuff. Be a father or a mother. That's what Paul's saying. Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, saying, we, we've only got few fathers and thousands of instructors. We just need more moms and dads. I tell you what, if you're young and you don't know how to do life, what would you rather have? Someone who will walk it through it with you or a guy who throws links at you from YouTube? There's this thing on YouTube. I thought you'd be cool. Well, you like not want to... I need help. I'll go watch it on YouTube. I'm glad we can watch things on YouTube. I'm glad that there's thousands of videos on how to fix our refrigerator, and that's awesome. But the young people, the, the kids, the teens, the young adults who are trying to figure out how to follow Jesus, what do they really need? They need moms and dads. They need people to walk with them. They need people that they can turn to in real life. Amen. Let me just read Malachi's prophecy one more time. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. It's coming. The spirit of Elijah is coming on a generation. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of children to the fathers. The question I have tonight is, are we willing to be this people? Okay, there's lots of stuff in the Bible that we need to know and be. But can we be a prophetic people who says, you know what, there's like three kids in my life. I'm going to love them. I'm going to invest in them. I'm going to disciple them. Anything I can do to help them. It might be the neighbors. It might be you know, the, the family across the street. It might be the, the kids who walk through every once in a while. It could be the kids that show up at, at church or whatever. But can you just have a special regard for them? Can you love them? Can you go a little extra, give them a dollar or something? Hey, Timmy, come here. Here's 50 cents. What? Oh, my gosh. If they gave me that, I mean, God's even better. You know, do those little things. Just do it. Turn your hearts to Him. That's what God's looking for. I don't want to give the impression that I'm against all this, you know, there's so much prophetic talk out there. It's great. But if it doesn't translate to you investing in the next generation, we have to do that. Amen. Amen. I've gone long. You've been so patient. Okay. Oh, you did. Yeah, Curtis, you're always wanting the heat, man. <laughs> All right, let me pray for us, and then here's how we're going we're gonna to just close. The person next to you or the person across the, you know, just to you get, get together with somebody there, and just we're going to pray into this for just a minute, and then we're going to officially close. So let me pray, and then just pray this back with a friend next to you, okay? All right, so Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this time of worship. And, and what we're asking tonight is the ability to see kids, to value kids, to love kids like you do. Not to see them as a distraction, but as very important in, in, in the kingdom, in the church life, in our families. 
Help us tenderize our hearts again. Lord, it's a battle. It can be tough days and tough weeks, tough seasons. But remind us that you're raising up a prophetic generation of of fathers and mothers and, and spiritual fathers and mothers that value these kids, that turn their hearts to them. Make us those people. Make the church in our city that people. Make this generation that people. Help us, Lord. And we pray, Father, that this next week, many young kids would be marked in a very supernatural way. Some would give their lives to you. Some would rededicate their lives to you. We'd see healings and miracles. Lord, as we invite the kids in, Lord, we want more of you with it, God. And we pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. For more messages like this one, please visit our online teaching library at gphop.org teachings. If you found this free material helpful in your walk with God, please prayerfully consider a generous donation. To give, please visit gphop.org donate. That's gphop.org donate. Thank you, and may the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ richly bless you today.